Hey, this is Mike Brake, the lead pastor at Freedom Church in Los Alamos. Just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the podcast today. I hope you feel encouraged and I hope you feel inspired today to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Then come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In another place, Jesus said, what's more important than your soul? And it was a rhetorical question, nothing, nothing. Your soul is, a, is, is looking for rest, and it only finds it in Jesus. He says, you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. Let's pray together. Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you that we worship your son, Jesus Christ. And and while we are on the go, on the go, on the go, or just things that keep hitting us and trying to distract us or discourage us, and our soul is at unrest, Father, I just pray in these next few moments that you would speak to us, show us a next step that we need to take, and help us not only to give us hope in us, but you want to spread hope through us. So there might be other people who we need to reach out today. Show us, show us who we, who we need to reach out to and love on and spread hope to. And we pray that in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. And as you are seated, elbow the person sitting next to you and tell him he's talking to you. I know you already do that on most sermons, but uh, look back at them and elbow them back and say, no, he's talking to you. Some of y'all still ain't, nothing, nothing. Um, Next week, we are going to uh, be continuing our series, Hope is Here, but we're also going to be giving away, we're going to have some fun while we do this uh, series too. Next week, we're calling it Hope is Here Sunday, and we are going to be giving away uh, some Yeti mugs for the fall, uh, one per household. I wish I had one per person, but there's a lot of there's a, uh, Yetis, as you know, are awesome, but they, they're, 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 they're costly too. So you get to fight in your household who gets the, uh, the Yeti mug, custom Freedom Church one, but that'll be next week. And you have to be in person. So for our online family, I love you, uh, but you have to be in person. If you are a hunter and you're like, but I'm going to be hunting, can I get one of those? The answer is no. You, you have to send somebody from your family here. Uh, and, and let that be the case. So if next week you're out, I understand, but I'm sorry. Uh, lat- we did this a couple years ago, and they were gone. So it's first come, first serve, uh, too, on, on these things, because uh, people are like, hey, can I have one of those? I'm like, they're, they're gone. So we'll see how it goes next, next week. But Yeti Mug Sunday will be next week, um, and I'm excited for that. I'll try not to kick that over uh, later. Now, today is also a little bit of a fun day as we kick off a new series. It's also kickoff uh, weekend for football NFL. I don't know, is anybody excited for that? Can I? Come on. All right. Where are my resident Bronco fans? Let me hear you. Okay, just a few of you. Bronc are uh, Cowboys, Cowboy fans. It's okay. I'm not going to make fun of you. I'm not going to, I know you're kind of like, uh, uh. how about any other team? Any other team? Give a shout out. Oh, come on now. I'm Chiefs fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. Um, who doesn't care? 
Most everybody in the room. Okay, all right, fine. You're just blowing my intro here. And um, what I love about the start of the season is that everybody, fans, players, coaches, they all have hope. They all seriously believe that, hey, we have a shot at this thing. And we may not be the favorites going in, but we've been putting in hard work. We think even Cowboys fans, I don't know how, where they get this type of faith, but we know that they have hope. Every single year, this is their year. Now, we also know only one team is going to win the prize, but they all start out with that idea of hope. And the reason we're doing this series, Hope is Here, isn't about NFL. It's been, I think, our, our world, our city, Los Alamos, our families and even us individually in this last year and this year, we are running low on hope. And if you're like me, it comes in waves. Sometimes I'm riding high and I have a lot of hope and things are going great. And then seemingly out of nowhere, that wave crashes and, I'm, and I really start to struggle. And I always, I don't lose hope, but sometimes it's not as within my grasp as what I like. And so it's been a roller coaster in this time. And I want this season to be a season of hope. Next month, we're going to do a, a, a series called uh, Soul Therapy. We're gonna, we're, if you've ever been to, to therapy... It's a freeing experience, but anyone who has been to counseling and has done the work know it is hard. So we're going to have some soul therapy sessions. We're going to do some soul care in this season to make sure when those waves are coming and they're going to come, that we're in great shape to continue to not only receive hope in us, but spread hope through us, no matter what comes our way. For a lot of us, we're facing low-level burnout in this season. There's a a chronic anxiety that seems to come and worry that seems to just be constant in there. A lot of us have had to face ourselves in the mirror in this season, and we don't like what we see. It's caused us to doubt ourselves. We've seen what's going on in the world scale, and it's caused us to doubt humanity. And it's caused us to question our faith, too. And in times of trouble, in times of heaviness, in seasons where it doesn't seem like it's going to end anytime soon, the church, the big C church, has always had the audacity to look at trouble in the face, stare it right in the face, and have hope. The church knows that if Jesus is here, then hope is here. The church knows that when Jesus was hanging on that cross, when all hope seemed lost, when they were confused and uncertain about what was happening to this Messiah, that victory was far from over, like things were just getting started in many ways. The church knows when he was put into the tomb and buried, and that stone was rolled, and there was quietness and, and confusion and grief of losing a friend and losing a leader, It was far from over in heaven. It was far from over in eternity. The victory came when Jesus rose from the dead and that tomb was empty. And that is where our hope lies in. 
And that's going to be the foundation of our hope as we move forward in this. Now, we read that about Jesus. Why do we talk about Jesus? Why do we care about this yoke that Jesus uh, described? And, and, hey, take my yoke upon you, and you'll find rest for your soul. It's, it's not because of the great things Jesus said or did. It's because there's an empty tomb. When, when he rose from the dead, it changed everything, and the church launched the church launched into this new revolution that said there's a different way to do life. There's a better yoke than the way that we live. And so in this series, we're going to kind of take a look at some of those things. The yoke doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to us. It's a farming analogy. But the idea was that there was this wooden harness that was placed on livestock and, those, and it would allow them to plow a field and you could get them to pull a cart or plow a field and they would place this wooden uh, yoke on them. What I, what I love about Jesus' statement, he says, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. What I love is Jesus doesn't offer escape from this world. He offers equipment for you and I. He offers a, a different way. There's another verse that Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And, and I usually hang on that last part of the, the verse because it's such a theological statement that Jesus is saying it's exclusive. I'm the only one. I'm the only way. But I also, I, that idea of the way, he prescribed the way for us. He, he, he lived a different way of life. And so when, when Jesus says, I am the way, and we're to be his followers, he would say, hey, you, be a disciple, come follow me. The way was not sing three songs, hear a sermon on a Sunday, and then go home, and that's the way. The way wasn't, as we saw, a church building. It's like, oh, well, we have a church building and we can gather. No, he's prescribing a lifestyle. Uh, follow me. He didn't really necessarily, it was kind of gray sometimes. He didn't say, well, do this, do this, do this, do this, and you're good. He would just say, watch me. Watch how I do this and imitate me. And so that's why sometimes it can be a bit confusing, but it's not a legalistic thing that he's, that he's describing. It's, he's offering a better way. It's not a set of ideas, which we use in the church world. We say theology. It's not just knowing and having knowledge. It's not just a list of do and don'ts. This way that Jesus is describing, it's not this rules. Do this, do that. Don't do that. It, it's those things. Theology, believe me, is certainly important, but it's more than that is what I'm trying to say. For a lot of us, when we look at this lifestyle and as we jump into things, it's, it's not easy. He says, my, my, my yoke is easy to bear. And I think sometimes I can get tripped on that because Jesus, I don't, I don't want a yoke. I want a, I want a mattress. I'm tired. I want a massage. I want a vacation. But Jesus doesn't offer escape. He offers equipment. And maybe this is just my paraphrase as I read it. It's not so much easy as it is better. He's offering a better, more freeing way. I know for myself, before I started digging into nutrition, before I started digging into health about uh, four years ago, 
uh, I would see people who were just fit and, and ripped. And I would say, I want that. I, I want that. But I'd also say, I don't necessarily want that lifestyle. Like, I want the biceps. But I also like bagel, bagels, too. Right? I want my, my wife to, to look at me and say, oh, man, what a stud muffin. But I also like Whataburger, too. It's, 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 I don't necessarily like the lifestyle or want the lifestyle that goes along with it. Jesus ran across the rich young ruler, and he said, hey, I, he, Jesus said, come follow me. And he says, okay, what do I got to do? I want to follow you. What do I got to do to get into heaven? He says, sell all your possessions and then come follow me. I want you, Jesus, but we know that man's story. I don't want your lifestyle. For many of us in the room, we would have to wrestle with that when it comes to Sabbath, when it comes to relationships, things that we come in, into contact with. Say, I want you, Jesus, but oh, if I'm honest, the lifestyle is something that I'm not willing to take. I believe, let me, I'm going to dig into to relationships today. I believe Jesus wants great relationships, deep, meaningful connection in your life. I believe you're wired for those things. He prayed in one prayer in John 17. He said, I pray that they are united and perfectly one, Father, just as you and I are one. Not, not just, oh, they're united in theology, no, deep. You think Jesus and his father were, had a deep connection, relational connection? He says, I pray that they're like that so that the world will know. He wants this for you and I. For many in, in church world specifically, but even in our culture, what do we do? We want deep connection. We want deep, meaningful relationships, but the lifestyle to get there. I will keep people socially distanced and pushed away. I will not do the things that are necessary for that lifestyle. And in church world, we'll come here, we'll hear the three songs, hear a sermon, high-five each other, pat ourselves on the back, and we're good to go. And I'm going to say we're maybe missing out on something deeper here. This yoke that Jesus talks about. Let me ask a question. This is an all-skate. What's something that you geek out on? What is, what's, What's something, I know you may be afraid to admit it in, in person, um, but you can just shout it out if you're on the chat, put something in. What's something that you geek out on? This is your chance. Come on, I see some of y'all like calling each other out. Come on. Legos. Legos, all right. Pokemon Go, anybody? No? Yeah, come on now. Oh, Pokemon Go, okay, all right, we got one, yes. Um, Anybody else? I don't want to leave you out. I don't want to leave you out. You're like, uh, this is really awkward. Some things we don't geek out on. Me, cars. All right. I do not geek out on cars. My wife um, literally asked me this week. I went to go fill up the gas in the car. She said, hey, while you're at it, can you check the oil? And I said, okay, yeah. And when I got there, I'm like, I ain't checking the oil. And, and, she go, and I got back. She goes, did you check the oil? I said, no. And I'll tell you why. I don't know what I'm checking. All right, and I know some of y'all are like, I'm going to have to turn in my man card, but I just like, I don't care. I, I, don't, I don't know. I, and so um, I don't geek out on cars. Fantasy baseball, oh man, I will destroy you in fantasy baseball. 
All right, and, and I'm okay with that. I don't do fantasy football because I would destroy you there. We would actually lose church members if I played fantasy baseball it would, or fantasy football. It would not go well. All right, Rita, she doesn't care about, you know, what I do on, on fantasy baseball. It's like, oh, I don't want to know anything about it. I, I geek out on that stuff. Some people geek out on relationships. And what I'm about to tell you is there's a couple studies that went through, not necessarily biblical, but I think they unearthed some biblical principles that we're going to see here, and I, I want to kind of highlight them. There was one a study done several years ago called the Almedia uh, County Study. studied 7,000 people over nine years and, and went through this. And, and this is very brief, but basically one of the things they found out were isolated people were three times more likely to die than those with strong relational connections. They, they, they did, and they're more likely to get sick or have died just because on the relationship side. They also found out that people who had bad health habits, like smoking, poor eating habits, obesity, alcohol use, bad, they had bad health habits, but strong social ties, deep, meaningful relationships. This is interesting. They lived significantly longer than people who had great health habits, but were isolated. Moral of the story, it's better to eat a donut with a friend than eat broccoli alone. All right, amen, somebody? Come on now, come on now. Deep relationships is, is something that they found that, that uh, in, a, in a sense, increased uh, life um, the, the longevity of life. Now, obviously, healthy habits with healthy relationships would be better. They found that too. Another lady, Brene Brown, again, this isn't necessarily biblical, but she did a, a six-year study on relationships. She wanted to find out, okay, what made these relationships tick? Like, why were these people, how did they get these deep, meaningful relationships? She geeked out on this stuff and, and researched. One of the things she found, she said, people who had a deep sense of love and belonging, which I think we all agree we're like wired for this. We are wired for a deep sense of love and belonging. The people who, were, who she found that had this believed deep down that they were worthy of love and belonging. They had a deep sense of belief that they were worthy of love and belonging. Conversely, those who struggled in relationships, those who did not have deep connections, deep meaningful connections, who struggled in this area of relationships, maybe someone got too close and then they cut ties, or maybe they struggled with intimacy. She found that at the root of almost every single story, when you got down to the root, shame or fear was lying underneath every single one of those who are struggling to find deep connections. She also found that that those who had the meaning, meaningful relationships, those who believed they were worthy of love and belonging, they had some common things to, that, that, that kind of came together with them. Being one of them, being they were excruciatingly vulnerable. They were vulnerable in their relationships. Shame, definition, roughly, believing there's always a part of me that I should hide. There's something that if you see, you're not going to like me. If you see, you're going to run away. 
You see this in Genesis in the very first sin, Adam and Eve. As soon as they sinned, they felt shame and they covered themselves. Then God comes looking, says, Adam, where are you? And Adam says, hey, when I, when I heard, I hid because I was afraid. Shame and fear is what the enemy uses to drive us away from God. The worthy people, the, the people who felt worthy were vulnerable, meaning capable of being emotionally or physically wounded, open to attack. This is extreme risk that you put into relationships. Yet they found, Brene Brown found, that the more vulnerable they were, the more compassion they had for other people, the more courage they had to speak up, and the greater connection they had with those who they were vulnerable with. And so it, was, it just kind of kept feeding itself. The more vulnerable I was, the more deeper the connections came, the greater the risk as well. But then if, the, if it kept going, it just we got more intimate and vulnerable as we went along. You and I, we crave this. I really do believe we, deep down, even if you're an introvert here in Los Alamos, you crave love and belonging, deep and meaningful connections. If you meet someone and you know they're fake, you're like, I don't want, I don't want fakeness. I want somebody who's, who's real. I want real, authentic relationships. Well, there's some tough things that we have to do to get there. It reminds me of James, James chapter 5, verse 16, where we're going to kind of uh, close this thing out, round it out. It says, confess your sins to each other. Now, most of you have already quit listening. Who wants to do that? Like, we can get that started. Just nudge your neighbor right now and let's just go, just go have at it. Confess your sins to one another. Uh, 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 no, 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 no. I, I, why would God put this in here? God who, who, who breathes Scripture, talking about vulnerability, says, hey, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God, I confess wins. I don't confess my sins. I don't want to show you the real me. If I, if I show, I risk embarrassment. I'm going to lose face. I can lose jobs. I can lose family. Like there's real consequences to this verse, Jesus if I go and I put this thing into action. And, I, and I, I think this is so important because I might be missing out on healing here. This easy yoke that Jesus said, I got a better way for you. Through relationships, through deep connection on which you can find freedom. Too many of us, we fear the consequences of confession when we don't fully understand and we should be fearing the consequences of concealment, we try to hide and we try to impress. But when you find somebody who loves you, who really truly loves you, but they're not impressed with you, oh, that's a, that's a true friend. 
And I'm not talking about to someone who's not impressed with you and all they do is tell you how you're wrong and they're critical. I'm saying someone who loves you. I've had people who encourage me and build me up and strengthen me, but at the same time, they're not impressed with me. So when I slip up or they see me going in the wrong direction, they say, Mike, uh, I don't know. And even though it's, they're not, even though it's not something I want to hear, it still builds me up and gives me strength. When God sees you, if, if, I, if, if I were, I could. If I had time enough today, I could sit there and I could go after that thing that you're hiding. That insecurity, your internet history, the substance abuse, your idolatry. I, we, I, we could, I could find it. When, here's what I want to tell you. When God sees you, he doesn't see that, whatever that is for you, whatever it is that you're trying to hide. He does not see that. When you have a relationship with Christ, forgiveness is there. He's like, I've already forgiven you, but you're going to need some accountability in this. You're going to need someone who's going to walk alongside you in this so you can get healing. Healing is going to come through somebody else. So apparently you have something I need and I have something you need. And the more I try to just stuff it in, I'll just keep it between me and you, God. That's too easy. Too many of us, I'll just, I'll, I'll confess my sin to God, go to bed, wake up in the morning and do the same thing, confess it again. I'm good to go, do the same thing again. And I never, I'm just in this cycle. And he's saying, no, you're going to have to bring somebody along with you because that thing, that thing grows in the dark, keeps you in bondage in the dark, but when it's brought out into the light, it loses all power it when it's exposed. And it starts to be something that God can use, not only in your life, but to bring hope in other people. He says, confess your, your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. All right, let me be very, very clear. When, when I'm thinking about this, I'm thinking about one or two people that you have this type of deep relationship with that you can confess to. I'm not going to have you come up here and say, all right, church, here's the microphone, and we're confessing all our sins to everybody. I don't think that's the point. I, I think the point is, do you have anyone? Do you have one person where you can be real and honest and, and just say, this is, this is my sin? Let me, I'm going to harp on guys here for a second. All right, this is my conviction you could say I'm wrong, but I believe men are some of the fakest men in church. This isn't a one-time thing. This is, he's not saying, oh, well, I remember back in 95 when I confessed my sin to my youth pastor and I did that. No, this is a lifestyle. And men, we, if, I, if I sat down and talked with you, you would honor uh, uh, integrity, honesty, being dependable and responsible and character, things like that. But when is the last time you confessed your sin to somebody else? Or are we just trying to impress people and wear a mask and look good? I believe Jesus wants a deep connection, not only with you, 
That yoke, I feel like he wants to team up with you and say, hey, we're to, me and Jesus are together. We're yoking up. He's like, follow me. Let's, let's, let's go together. But I also think that yoke is in tandem with other people in your life to say, let's do this thing together. So when we say connect groups are starting up, I'm not about like, oh, well, let's just have, let's fill it up with a lot of numbers and let's have great connect groups and we have a Bible study and we pat ourselves on the back. None of those things are, are, are bad, but what do I want? I want you to find deep, meaningful relationships and connections and it takes time and it takes experience where you got to walk through and have some tough conversations with one another. And all I'm looking for really is one or two. Do you have that in your life? Do you have that in your life where you can have it? And you say, well, you know, I'll, I'll get to that when I, you know, I got a lot of kids in the house and it's a lot of, it's really busy or work is super stressful right now. And I got a lot on my plate. Like I'll get to that when I want your way, Jesus, but not your lifestyle. He didn't put any qualifiers on this to say, oh, when the pandemic's over and we return to normal, then you can go. When the kids are out of the house and you got the time, then you can do it. He says, come and follow me and I'll give you rest for your soul. I have a better way. Now, Jesus, this doesn't seem easy. <laughs> this actually seems really hard. You said uh, uh, this yoke is easy, it's light. Fear and shame, fear and shame. And they bring on guilt. When, when we're guilty of something, when, when, when my kids, if they do something and they need to apologize, I express that as in an IOU statement. You, you, you owe that person an apology. You, you owe them something. You, you wronged them. You're guilty. You did something you owe. So we, we can think about it in terms of a debt. You owe them a debt. You owe that person an apology. We know Jesus forgave us, but something still seems incomplete without that apology, right? Hey, sometimes you need to go make amends. But even though we talk about it in terms of a debt, it's experienced as a weight. Guilt and shame are experienced as a heavy weight that you and I carry along with us that we were never meant to carry. Jesus says, I, I, I've taken all of those things. I've paid the price for it. Let me have it. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Why are you carrying on this heavy yoke? And you may say, no, I'm going to take that to the grave. I'm just fine, Mike. Nobody's ever going to know or find out. And while you may be thinking this isn't a very much of a weight, I'll carry it, I'm good to go, it ekes itself out. Irritability, anger, worry, substance abuse, idolatry, and you wouldn't think this is hap that this happens, but if you don't find healing and you have kids because you didn't deal with something and you didn't find healing and freedom, now your child, your son or daughter generationally will have to carry 
that burden and it gets passed on to them, hoping the next generation will get healing from it. God wants you to have healing today from whatever that is. And you get that, you get that freedom and that forgiveness when you give your life to Jesus Christ. Boom, done, paid for. But he says, I got a lifestyle that I want you to live in community with others. I don't want you just to be forgiven. I want you to be healed and freed of it where you can move forward, you get power over it, and you can actually go spread hope to other people who are dealing and struggling with the same thing. Are you willing to follow Jesus in that direction? And that's the question that we have. He offers equipment. He offers equipment, not escape. We want escape. He says, I got a better way. The message translation says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me and watch how I do it. And I love this line, learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace in our life. Quick shout out to all of our connect group leaders, those who are leading connect groups. They're trying to create this space where you can have these relationships. And if you meet in, in like the Carver's group tonight, you may not have this confession going on. It may happen one-on-one -on -one later in the week. That's beautiful. Find that, that person. Work towards these things. Vulnerability. Overcoming shame and fear in your relationships. Pray for one another. Prayer is so important. James 5.16, he doesn't end it there. He says, the earnest prayer. The fervent prayer, the active prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces, say this with me, produces wonderful results. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It produces wonderful results. How wonderful, how marvelous, how wonderful the results that can be produced in your life when we take on Jesus' yoke and live His way. There's victory in this. There's hope in this. There's freedom in this. Paul says in Galatians, he says, share each other's burdens. You weren't meant to carry this alone. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. Carry one another burdens. That yoke was meant to be in tandem with other people. That's why when we do groups, we understand behind it, it's more. It's more than a Bible study. It's more than uh, a meal together. It is doing life together. I want to encourage you guys to consider if God's calling you into that. I also want you to consider next week, you know and I know there are people all around us in desperate need of hope who are searching and looking for freedom. And God, I think, wants to use you to be that light and that hope. Would you consider inviting somebody next week to come and join? Hey, come and check it out. That's all I say. Come and check it out. You'll know. We will welcome them. We are going to give a gospel presentation. We get a Yeti mug and have some fun. But I believe in this season, Freedom Church needs to be that hope to our community, to our families, and even in our own church body to build one another up. It's so vital in this time. People are all looking for it. We're hungering for it. And there's a way to do it.
there's a way to do it. Thank you again for taking the time to listen to the podcast this week. I hope you felt inspired to take your next step of faith with Jesus. Just a couple next steps that you can take coming out of this. One, rate and review the podcast. That really does get the message out to other people faster, as well as click subscribe to make sure you get the latest content as it rolls out each week. And finally, if you want to partner with us financially, head on over to our website, click the word give. That's going to get the message out through our ministries further and faster. Have a wonderful week. God bless.